This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Sons of the Shoe returns. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. As always, we ask you to rate, follow, and subscribe to the podcast as we knew, as we are a new podcast here. Um, begging for our supper as it is, or singing for our supper as it is. Spencer, how you doing, buddy? Can't complain, man. Uh, long weekend, especially after our long night together on Saturday, talking about that. It was an amazing way to frame it. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Can we, can we start over? Can we start yeah. this conversation <laughs> after Spencer, after our long embrace uh, and our holding each other all Saturday night? Hey, Mitch, what the hell, bro? Was, uh... I'm a married man. I'm somebody's father. <laughs> We're spilling tea here on uh, on Sons of the Shoe. No, uh, our our long night recording the podcast together after what was a a great game, great game Saturday. I don't know about you, but that was an epic epic game. No, down yeah, the I wire mean, had a little bit of everything. Oh wait, I, I'm thinking about the Bronze Ravens game. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm still I'm still basking in the glow of that win. And you know what? <laughs> hey, the the Ohio State Michigan State game was pretty much over at halftime. So can you really? Can you can you really have a problem with that, especially because it gave us more time to go ahead and make fun of the Michigan situation? Yeah, that's true. That is true. This was that was actually a perfect week for that game because it allowed us to spend a lot more time, like you mentioned, on just the scandal and Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore crying on national TV after the game as if somebody had just killed his family in front of him or something. I don't know. It was just that's, a, that's my guy. That's my absurd. coach. And here's the thing. Absurd. Here's the thing. I really do love the emotion of Sharon Moore. I just, it's a little too make a wish for me. Okay. Like I, oh. I just kind of feel like maybe, you know, that's like a national championship win energy. That's like your wife just died and you won a game energy. It's not Beat uh, James Jim Harbaugh Franklin again. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. Um, and by the way, kudos to James Franklin for continuing to go James Franklin. We're going to start this a little different. 
because we're going to update everybody on Michigan. And it does feel like every day is a new setup for the Michigan thing. Then we're getting into our Minnesota preview. And then the second segment, we're going to get into our Ohio State topic. But I just, I think it was really interesting to hear Jim Harbaugh yesterday, one, completely do the right thing, which was askew any comment on his suspension outside of the fact that he found out online. But then the most interesting thing was the continued sculpting of this from the Michigan uh, side of things where Jim Harbaugh said, and I'm this is a loose quote, that Michigan should be America's team because of how they're being treated by uh, the Big Ten and the rest of the Big Ten and the NCAA. My response to that, first of all, is, well, if you want to be America's team, we'll make you America's team. But just like the America's team in the NFL, everybody hates you now. Like that, that that's what comes to the territory. If you want to be called America's team, everybody outside of your own fan base is just going to be rooting against you. That's how it usually goes with Dallas Cowboys. So that's how it's going to go with you. But you're right, Nick. I am, I am just dumbfounded by the the spin that they that 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 Michigan themselves are putting on this entire conversation and this entire situation it makes no sense to me like you had i think a number of people us included you had you had the two hosts of an Ohio State podcast not on your side because we still recognize like yeah you probably shouldn't have done this but we were on their side in the sense of like People are probably making too big of a deal out of this entire thing overall. That was our stance on it. That was the show's stance on the Michigan thing, even though we we still made fun of Michigan and said, like, we were making fun of the Connor Stallings thing, and clearly they spent way too much time and money and invested a lot into this that they probably should have. And Yeah, they probably had some sort of unfair advantage. But we kind of said, everyone's stealing signs. We're making maybe a mountain out of a molehill here. Michigan tried to unveil that themselves by pointing to Ohio State and Purdue and all this other stuff going on fine. You had people in your corner with just that stance alone. But then to pivot it, to act like you guys are the victims here, and you got crying players and coaches on on television after a win and acting like, yeah, it's us against the world, and you got – who was it on the the Fox – the 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 noon – or the big noon kickoff crew at the end of the game who had the – Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson had like the Michigan against the world shirts on trying to steal something else from Ohio, I guess. Oh, oh no, 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 no. It was Michigan versus everybody, which is okay. like the laziest bastardization of your, <laughs> your rival slogan that we've right, ever seen. Right. They, they're just stealing stuff from Ohio now. So you can't even come up with the original content, but anyway, that, and then you got Jim Harbaugh saying they should be America's team. I like you, this, this, this entire spin to this perspective is not making people join your side of the conversation. Like they're not, this is turning people against you. It's, it's a bad look to lean into the, Oh yeah, we're, we're victims here and everybody should feel bad for us. You were better off just keeping your heads down playing football. And like I said, Saturday, and I'll say it again, if they had used it, if they had used the entire situation as like a, well, we're using this to motivate ourselves. They're not going to let our coach be on the sidelines. So we're going to go out and prove people that we don't, you know, we're better than, signs and all this different stuff fine if, if they want every team finds reasons to be motivated we know about like the michael jordan the michael jordanization of motivation and you know nick wilson looked at me funny so i'm going to use that as motivation when i host his show next time or something like that like whatever like whatever it is i, I get all that but to to make this the narrative to make it like you guys are the victims at the end of the day 
you guys still cheated. You still so stole signs. Like th there's evidence that proves that. So th there's no turning away from that. At least lean into the fact that like we did something wrong, but we're going to prove we're better than that. I, I, I don't get it. it. It it's it's flabbergasting to me, and it's just making me. I already hated Michigan, but it's making me hate them more. And I don't. I think they're getting less people on their side by taking this angle. I think we I, listen. I think we can say that what they're doing is cringy, as my kids would say, and also at the same point say that I think it's working, like meaning like working internally, like they're doing a really good job yeah. of of rallying their base, and not to use a political term, but also you tell the players are playing pissed off on Saturday. So like, I don't think they necessarily care, and nor and by the way, I don't think they should either. People are either going to say there, there's two real takes here. There's either you think they're guilty or you don't. And there's either you think the Big Ten acted unjustly or they didn't. I think the Big Ten acted unjustly. And I think they asked it, acted hastily. I think they did it because of politics and not necessarily the fact that they vetted every piece of information. Like you've said, and a lot of people say, well, but there's evidence. Yeah, you can sculpt evidence in whichever way you want. Our, our criminal justice our system kind of proves this, that, that guilty people uh, get set free and innocent people get set, uh, get, go to prison. So, like, my point is not that I, I, I don't know if they did anything. I tend to think that they crossed the boundaries of good taste and sportsmanship with this Connor Stallion nudnik. I don't know. I think it matters a lot to me if you can prove that Jim Harbaugh truly knew beyond just our suspicions. I think it matters quite a bit what the rest of the, the Big Ten looks like because I don't think anybody's hands – and again, I'm not talking about sign stealing. I'm talking about in-person scouting and the sharing of information that happens, which can kind of look like colluding. I think those things happen a lot. Agreed. But again, Michigan's the one on trial here. So I continue to look like and look at Michigan and say, I think you have been unfairly railroaded. But I don't I think the victim thing, I think that's equal parts about circling the wagons with Michigan people and trying to get Michigan people in a froth to continue to like basically counteract what was the public pressure uh for the rest of the Big Ten. So I, I think that's part of it. And I think the other part is just trying to keep your team focused, right? The, everybody else is the enemy, not whatever decisions we did or didn't make. So, like, I think it's laughable. I think it's cringy as hell. I also think it's working. That's a fair perspective, and I can still agree that Michigan, again, largely what they did crossed the boundary, like you mentioned, and I can still feel that the Big Ten probably was unjust in ruling before they had more hard evidence. Now, you could always cite like the lack of institutional control, and that always falls on the head coach. Like if he's not, if it's his program, he should know these things is always the thing yeah, that people go but to. I, but I but, think that's, I, but I think that's a, a cliche that we use at this true. point. And, and that's, uh, that's what I was going to say. Like, which doesn't really have anything to do with whether Jim Harbaugh actually knew yeah, or not. And, yeah. and for me personally, I don't care about lack of institutional control. Because it's a wide range. Like, people don't understand how big football departments are now. Yeah. Like, and it's not just football departments. It's NFL teams. It's uh, Major League Baseball teams. You have departments of hundreds upon hundreds of people working. So the idea that Jim Harbaugh knew every one of them, and I'm talking about knew them, like, intimately enough right, to know right. what their job was, 
is a little overly simplistic yeah. for me. And, and, Even if I agree that it's unlikely he didn't have any knowledge of yeah. it. But again, and, I, and I'm in the same boat. I, I feel he probably knew something, but I I do again, we if we don't have the evidence of it, and I agree with you, like I think the lack of institutional control thing is an easy sort of fallback go-to cliche that we can just put on anything that we don't like within a, a, a football program or another uh, athletic program at a school and just say, oh, well, lack of the institutional control because you need somebody to point the finger at. So I, I I think that's fair. And that's, again, this goes back to where my stance was before this weekend. Like, yeah, I thought it was being overblown on some level. I thought maybe there should be some sort of punishment if more comes to light. It certainly feels like the, the Big Ten was acting hastily. But what turned me off to it really is like the spin that that I I can't uh, like understate that enough. The spin of them acting like they're victims because, okay, you can say there's maybe not evidence against Jim Harbaugh and that's unfair. But what we do have evidence of is what truly Connor Steins was doing. And whether or not you think sign stealing is going on among all the programs, which it probably is or not, the way they did it was against the rules. So they did break a rule. So that's where I, I just can't get behind, which is why I said, like, if they had just stayed in the lane of we're just going to use this as motivation and, yeah, we feel like they're doing this wrong, but it's just going to be uh, a motivating factor for us to go out and prove, okay, we don't need to steal signs to win football games. We're talented enough. Then I could have just stayed on the side of, like, okay, whatever happens, happens. It was a bad look that they did this thing, but but everyone's doing it. Now I'm like, you guys are trying to sell me on something and it's it's like it's very Coltian. Like if it, it feels like they're just trying to get you, like they're they're luring you in to their side of this this conversation, where it's like, oh yeah, drink the Kool Aid and be on our side. And it's like, guys, but, I'm not I'm not falling for that. Like I'm just quick, not nobody and quick. nobody should be falling for that. Real it might quick. be working it's, internally. It might be working internally, but externally it's not. Maybe they don't care about the external perspective, but I, like I can't do it. I, I'm, aren't I'm, they I'm, reacting the same way we we reacted with Trestlegate? Like, I mean, I, I like think about it, Ohio State. And by the way, I tend to think, not tend to think. Okay, but. Like historically, historically, the Trestlegate thing was one of the biggest um, witch hunts I've ever seen. It was so grossly unfair and it ended the career of a man who like, I don't hold a lot of people sacrosanct in my fandom. Jim Trestle's there. Like Jim Tressel to me is one of the, the people that I respect as a human being after everything I've heard from my partner, after everything I saw, yeah. like I just like, so my point is we did the same thing. We circled the wagons. We took the victim route. And like, well, I, I, think, I just, I, I think this think is too. what happens when you're embattled into a scandal. I think but, that's the natural way to handle it. Like, do you, you expect mission to go Michigan to go, Hey guys, I know we cheated, but this is a little unfair. Like, how do you, like how different could, no, I expected Michigan, them. To, yeah. I expected them just stay in the lane of like we're just going to keep our heads down and focus on football. Like that was what I thought they were going to do, and then it became a victim thing, and I, I can't, I can't subscribe to that. I just can't. So that's well, what's but I think, that's, but, but I do think, I think like, that's you, fighting public perception, though. Like I think they're trying to push back because you got to understand, and this is something that people don't understand unless anybody's ever tried to cancel you or you've been on the wrong side of a thing where people have jammed you up about it. It's really tough. Like, this is a way that I can actually empathize with Michigan because on a daily basis, I have a take that people don't like and people try to crush you. It's not enough just to disagree with you. You're a fraud. You're this, you're that. You're the worst person ever. You're right. You need to go back to Charlotte. But so like, my point is, I think a lot of this externally 
might be there's so much noise. And you you called it mess, you know, uh, what is it, spin? I think there's a lot of spin against Michigan. And when you have that kind of spin against you, it's natural to try and change the narrative that's being pushed against you. How they're doing okay, it is incredibly you can, cr- you can change and, and you can change color. that to me, they could have changed that narrative by just doing what I said, which was like stay in your lane, keep winning football games, blow out Ohio State, and just make it about like internally we're using it as motivation, not not crocodile tears on national television because your head coach had to have a couple of drinks at the hotel bar and watch you guys play rather than be on the sideline with you like that. that I was, think those were real tears. That was tears, preposterous. That was I think, but I, I, I don't think they were crocodile tears. I, crocodile listen, tears are fake. After, I just thought it was really a weird reaction. No, I, they, I know they're fake, but that's why I said crocodile well, no, I don't tears think they're fake because I think, I, think, I think it's an all, I think it's all an act. Listen, you after, think Sharon Moore's Denzel? What after, are you after, after Ryan day, after I heard the clip of Ryan Day telling uh, Ohio State's SID, "Hey, watch this," and then go after Lou Holtz on a post-game interview, I don't buy. I don't believe that anything we see in these post-game interviews are real. I think it's all so, just an act. <laughs> so you think he walked up and like spritzed like, uh, like with a contact solution in, and like he was like, "All right," or like threw okay. somebody like threw water in his face. Is that what you're huh. supposed? You got to hear? me. The crocodile tears was a bridge too far. It was hyperbole. <laughs> they were real tears, but I I feel like they were crocodile tears because I just feel like. They're playing this up to be something that it's not. I will say this, Nick, as far as like the suspension goes and all these different things, I think in the, like if the big town wanted to do some suspension or whatever, fine. Um, Without hard evidence that Harbaugh knew fine, but I don't think it serves anybody for him to not be out there for the Ohio state Michigan game. Because first of all, just from a narrative standpoint, when him and Ryan Day have to meet at midfield and like shake hands, like how ice cold is that exchange going to be uh, during the game? Just the cuts in between the sidelines. From a content standpoint, it's a, it's a gold mine. Not that Michigan Ohio State isn't usually a gold mine, but then on top of that, like if Ryan Day loses to Michigan without Jim Harbaugh, that's going to be. I mean, hell will be raised uh, from Ohio State fans about his status and with the team. Also, really quickly. Since you brought the Trestle thing, I want to circle back to this really, really quick. I do think you're probably right that Ohio State fans reacted that way. But I also think the the crimes are very, very different there. Because it, it's been years and years and years of people feeling like the permissible benefits thing and se- like these players not being allowed to sell their own stuff. Like there's been years of conversations about how stupid that rule was. This is like a thing that has to do with now the integrity of the game. So I do think there's a difference there. But anyway, we can focus more on the conversation about Jim Harbaugh being on the sideline or not. Well, State. and I just think like overall, I I think this is shaping up to be maybe the biggest Ohio State-Michigan game ever because I think uh, we'll, we'll get into where we think they're going to be ranked, but they could be two and three. They could yeah. be one and three. I think that's huge. Like you're you're not just playing for the Big Ten – championship right now you're potentially playing for seeding or you are going to be playing for seeding in the the playoffs and maybe maybe two big 10 playoff teams which makes it even more interesting i think you have the scandal there which now there's real heat between both teams and now you've got ryan day who's embattled as a head coach and you've got jim harbaugh who's embattled as a coach so the stakes just feel as big as you could possibly make them for this game. Now, I, w- I do want to get to something because we're going to push the Michigan, uh, sorry, the Minnesota Ohio State preview to the next segment here because I did want to get your thoughts 
on the report. I think it was on Friday. I can't remember who had the report, but that Michigan has talked to other conferences and is is frustrated enough that they could potentially uh, choose a path to leave the Big Ten. And I where just want to get go? your thoughts on that. Where, where are they going to go? They're going to go. They, they want to go to the SEC. Like for the SEC, fine. They they're just trying to bring in a new brands like Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and that's, that's great. Like, good for them. They're they're I, I get that whole perspective of let's, you know, the brands is what's important to us. And that's where the money is for these TV deals. But at the same time, does Michigan really want to sign up for the sec knowing that they've had, okay, two years where they were a championship contending team now in a row, but Jim Harbaugh could leave at any second and go to the NFL. And then you're left holding the bag. And then you're just a bottom feeding team in the sec. Um, like you have it made in the shade in the Big Ten. I understand they're coming after you and all these different things, and you feel slighted, and they don't like Jim Harbaugh, whatever. But it's not always going to be that way. Like this, this feels very overreactionary to me. You're not going to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is basically folding. You're going to go to the Big Twelve. Is that is that where you're going to reside now, Michigan? Like it's it's the Big Ten or nothing for me for Michigan. It has to be. They'll they'll never be able to uh, compete with the teams that like the the top teams in the SEC in my mind. If uh, if they were to go to the SEC. So I'll be honest with you. I'll just, I'll, I want to lead with what I think is reality. I think this is at like 99% a bluff for Michigan. And I think this is a it's, way. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like James Franklin getting his name floated to all these big name jobs so that Ohio, so that Penn State just gives wait, him an extension. Just, and then he just, he. just wait for the AMM job to get James Franklin another <laughs> million dollars a year. Yes, 100%. Well, now, now what I will say is. Like I think it's I think it's a way to put pressure on Tony Petiti because losing Michigan on his watch would be a guaranteed you get fired. Like even though those other thirteen schools one hundred percent are behind the pressure, like they would turn to Tony Petiti and make him the fall guy for this. So I think this is Michigan's way of putting pressure on Tony Petiti of. You want to play hardball? We can play hardball. Now, I don't know that they. it's as simple as like, listen, one, don't underestimate the lure of Michigan to the SEC. He gets you He gets you to the North. And more importantly, they're like the second most watched team in the Big Ten. They have a lot of eyeballs on them. So I think financially, it would be a huge boost for the SEC if they're willing to give them the full share. Why it would make sense for Michigan is that's the only place you're going to make more money than you would in the Big Ten. Then you go. I do think. Would you a, though? Would you? Because everyone always says the Big Ten still makes more money year over year. Um, I I don't know the exact numbers, but it's the only place you can make comparable money. If that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Then I think it'd be a gigantic loss for the Big Ten. I do. Like in terms of like, there's not, there's not, unless you just rated the ACC, there's really no way you could replace Michigan in the Big Ten with a comparable program. You'd have to take a couple of programs. I think there's two things that make sense to you me. You mean Iowa scoring 20 points a game or 15 points a game doesn't do it for you? It just it will not do it for the national no. So <laughs> the two things that make sense are one, the ACC, because you could pair with Notre Dame to finally finally join the ACC. Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami. That is six insane brands. And it would solidify the ACC, in my opinion, as a true threat to the Big Ten and to the SEC, which it's, it's never really been, both in basketball. Well, okay, basketball it has been, but not in football. Here's the other one. What if Michigan just said to, to Notre Dame, 
to a couple of those big teams from the ACC, from any remaining team that might have interest in moving, maybe Oregon State, Washington State too. Hey, why don't we form our own super conference? So instead of we're going to join the, the the ACC and take on some of their crappier teams, instead of joining the Big 12 and taking on some of their crappier teams or the, you know, why don't we form a new conference with only blue bloods? It's the super conference idea. No Indianas, no Merrill or no Rutgers, no Georgia Techs, no um uh I was I almost said Kansas in football, but that's not true anymore. But no, no clunkers. And now again, I don't think this is going to happen, but there's enough behind it that if you start to kind of twist and really start to think about it, it's a good threat. Like, I think if you dismiss this threat out of hand, if you're the Big Ten, it actually might embolden the Michigan to say, peace the hell out, which you don't want. Like, you have. Let me ask you this. How much of Michigan, and even I guess Ohio State to an extent, how much of their brands, though, are tied up like in each other? Because I think that Michigan needs Ohio State the same way Ohio State needs Michigan. Like, we talked for years. We talked for years about how when Michigan was bad and Ohio State was winning all the time, like, yes, fans, we loved it. But from a, a college football perspective and a Big Ten perspective, like, we wanted Michigan to be good. And you usually you still got good games in there. Like, even when Michigan was three, four losses on a season, they'd still play Ohio State competitively, and that was always nice to see because it made it for a better game. But, like, that rivalry is one of the biggest in college sports in general, especially college football. Um, and I guess you could try to preserve it or whatever, but like you're talking about Oregon and Oregon or, uh, sorry, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, how Bedlam a couple weeks ago was the last time they're going to play in X amount of years. And people were really upset about it. Now that's like a lower level rivalry. We're talking about the best rivalry, if not the top two, three best rivalries in all of college sports, definitely college football. Um, like doesn't, doesn't it lose some lure if they go join some conference where they just have like no history whatsoever, because I think like this is the thing that you're trying to balance in college football right now is like I, I've generally believed that like the expansion's good and it's going to be okay even though you lose some things and it all work itself out. But at the same time, you don't want to lose all of that. You don't want to lose all of the tradition or else I do think you're just going out and you're just watching nameless gray faces and there's no brand identity and it kind of loses itself. So I, I don't know that they need each other maybe and, and they can maybe independently be brands on their own and be fine. But I do think – and especially – if Michigan does end up taking a step back, like if Harbaugh leaves at some point, goes back to the NFL and they get some other coach in there, like how much of a hit does their brand? Because I think their brand survived off of Ohio State, Michigan for several years there when Ohio State was just owning them. I really do. I think money talks and bullshit walks. And what that means in this scenario is um, the rivalry at a certain point financially becomes bullshit. Not, not in how I feel about the rivalry, not how you feel about, not how the average person feels, but if you can lock in an $80 million a year commitment for every team in the Super Conference and Ohio State doesn't want to come and you end up being able to get out of Ohio State's shadow, like I can see the thinking. I'm not, believe me, it's not what I'm rooting for. It's not what I want, but I can, I can certainly understand Michigan's thought process of, well, it, it absolves us of this, this blood warfare that we have going on in the Big Ten, you know, we're going to be able to name our own commissioner. We're going to be the masters of our own uh, fate here. And we get to partner up with who we want. And by the way, in the end, if you're going to be in a competitive conference, you're going to have these kind of things. 
that maybe Michigan looks at this and says, I'd rather this just be about good football or good basketball. Maybe I'm just, maybe they become the, the catalyst for change. We've all been waiting for somebody to finally break free of the NCAA. Maybe this is the thing. Maybe that's the ultimate. Maybe, maybe, the financial incentive of a super conference, which I think is the simplest way to break away from the Big Ten, maybe that incentive plus being rid of the NCAA once once and for all and of all the little regional pissing matches that happen, maybe that's enough. And again, I don't think it's happening. I, I don't I don't want to try and play alarmist, but yeah. I, I think I think it's really easy to dismiss it as oh, they're just pissing and moaning. Like no, like if you think about it, it listen, anything can happen as long as there's money there. And I guarantee you if Min, if Minnesota Minnesota started or sorry, Michigan started rounding up a posse to form a super conference, they would have no shortage of bedfellows of of premier teams that as of right now don't reside in the Big 10 or the uh the, the SEC. And here's another one, don't sleep on Penn State either. Penn State, remember, Penn State's only been in the conference for, what, 30 years? Wouldn't surprise me if they went to Penn State and said, listen, you and I don't have the kind of bad blood me and Ohio, me and all these other teams have. Would you want to come with us? Because all of a sudden, now it's Michigan, Penn State. If you can get Notre Dame there, like, I I just let's, think – Let's be honest. I, Michigan just wants Penn State to come wherever they go because – they just want to be able to keep James whooping James Franklin's ass, basically. That's, that it is. So, well, okay, that's probably and then, part of it. And then as well. crying about it on national TV afterwards. But I, so. but I just think, like we we dismiss a lot of these things. I think college football expansion and realignment has shown you don't dismiss it. Don't dismiss it. Just yeah. like especially think, with Michigan, I, I think, though, too, pissed off. I do think too, though, Michigan has to be. If this is a real thing, and I agree, I don't. I don't think it's happening either. But if it's a real thing, they also got to be mindful of like the landscape of how that is changing because. You can throw you can throw out the ACC all you want, uh, you can. But but to me, like it, it, it certainly looks like the way that the wind is blowing, we're trending towards having like two mega conferences: the Big Ten and the SEC, and then everyone else kind of. I mean, and, and think about it, the ACC. Like it sounds nice, but Florida State. The, the reports are always that Florida State's been trying to get out of the ACC for years, and they well, want to join a different conference. And just and Cle- what, like what is Clemson going to do? They're stuck with that TV contract for now. But at the same time, like. It, what's going to be what's going to stop these teams from kind of trying to get out from underneath it at some point so well and to be mindful quick, of that too real quick just on the acc thing i you know the acc has grant of rights until i think 2035 somewhere in the 2030s yeah but the but you can't enforce it if half the conference leaves right so like right. i don't i don't know michigan going to the acc because again you can't renegotiate is that, that enough contract. to save the the acc is my point like well if, no if florida it, state it, wants okay. out florida state's gonna get out well, but the point is, I think it might be more if you're Florida State. Well, I can pair with Michigan and Notre Dame and maybe a couple other teams here from my own conference. Yeah. We can break the grant of well, rights. Oh, and that's another domino, though. And, is, and then, is, is and Notre now Dame. we have a new conference that we can negotiate a new TV yeah. deal. With. And Notre Dame's been pretty adamant they're not joining a conference, so that's yeah. the other big. That's the other big yeah. hurdle. Again, why would why would money, you, you have that NBC money? Money talks and bullshit walks. There is a number. Notre, Notre Dame has not gotten it yet. I guarantee you there will be a number where all of a sudden it's too much to pass up. I don't know what that number is. Is it $100 million? Is it $150 million? Is it is it 25% of the power? I don't yeah. know, but I'm telling they you right gotta now. Beat, they got to beat whatever NBC gives them. And well, and here's the well, ACC here's, isn't quick. going to be able to do that for a long period of time until this new TV deal comes along. But I think that's important. And even if even when the ACC gets a new TV deal, 
I don't think they're going to like th- what people have missed in this is Notre Dame has has consistently said no because they have no incentive to say yes. Right. And so the only way you're going to match what Notre Dame could get from NC uh, NBC is if you have enough quality programs. So I, I do think, listen, don't let Notre Dame fool you. They can be bought. I don't know what the the, the, the number is, but and, and also, I think they don't want to break any deals with the ACC until they actually have a, a clear alternative. I don't think they view the Big Ten as a, as a true alternative. I don't think they view, as of right now, the SEC as, as a true alternative. And I just think that's – I think those are interesting things to kind of keep in mind there. All right, guys. So uh, are you buying any of the smoke that Michigan could potentially leave the Big Ten in a huff I don't think it happened right now, even if it does happen. When we come back, we got to preview the Minnesota game right here on the Sense of the Shoe podcast with Nick Spencer. It is time for the Minnesota preview. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff. Yet another one of those, why are we doing this kind of moments here on the Big Ten Network. Uh, This game is going to be played in Columbus at the Shoe. And I will tell you, I have watched and I've prepped a little too much for this. Um, Minnesota being good enough, well, I mean, good enough to like make this an interesting game is 100% going to come down to if Darius Taylor, who's their freshman running back, can actually play in this game. He's missed the last three games. They've gotten by with a couple other young running backs. They actually have a, a, like a trio of young running backs that are pretty good. Yeah, they're all good. But but like Darius Taylor, he's the, he's like the star of the show. They, I, I, it's an oversimplification to call him the Travion Henderson. If he can't go, this should be another game that's over at halftime. If he can, you maybe are able to keep this a little interesting early in the game. Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on with that. We know what Minnesota wants to do. They want to run the football. Uh, you mentioned Taylor, but the guys behind him have been superb as well, and they kind of just do it like a by-committee approach in, in recent weeks. Jordan uh, Nubbin's been the other guy who's gotten a lot of reps, and he's – I think it's Jordan Nubin. Why can't I ever get these names right? I don't know, but it's just funny because Nubbin <laughs> is is what people would call like a – if you had like your, your, your finger amputated, oh, I'm going to give you a Nubbin. um but yeah he's he's averaged almost five yards per carry and then they get sean tyler working in a little bit as well he's played in nine of the ten games this season so uh, yeah i i think they they certainly are a threat in that in that way and i think that's been one of the the maybe areas that ohio state's defense has been able to be exploited at times i think penn state showed some some ways to run in the football against this defense um, you know, but Minnesota is not, I don't even think on the level of Penn state in terms of talent. And so I'm not really as worried about it, but like, I, I don't know. I've watched of the, of what I've seen from Minnesota this year. And in some of my prep work here, before we talked about them this for the, for the matchup this weekend, I am, I, I'm, I kind of walk away like stunned that they're five and five because their defense is not very good to me, but I guess it's just a product of, They've beaten up on some teams that, um, you know, aren't very good this year. A MAC team like Eastern Michigan. Uh, they did lose to Northwestern, which is t- pretty telling because Northwestern's not a very good team this year. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I've, they barely beat Iowa. But I guess when Iowa only scores like ten points a game, that'll that'll 
happen. You can sort of just score a couple times and be good. Um, yeah, like their defense is their third down defense is giving up 45% of third down conversions, which is like bottom 10 in all of college football. They're around 67th in terms of passing yards allowed, which I think is interesting because we talked about last week being a game where Kyle McCord could maybe do some things and maybe take a little bit of a turn as we get closer and closer to Michigan. I think this is another game for him. I mean, it is another game for him to sort of showcase some of that because it's the last chance you really get before your last tune-up, if you will, before Michigan. But I'm interested to see if they emphasize the passing game a little bit in this one because of how, uh, I guess, Swiss cheese the Minnesota defense can be at times. And if he's able to kind of get that going, I feel pretty good about the fact that he's had two matchups here back-to-back where he's been able to – well, he'll hopefully be able to work the passing game, get more comfortable with his with his receivers, and just get more comfortable from a quarterback standpoint in general. Because everyone keeps saying when you say, well, McCord hasn't been great at times, they keep saying like, well, give him more time, give him more time. These last two games, I think, are the perfect setup to Michigan to get him more comfortable and see if he can do a little bit more in a game where you really need him to. I think this is kind of similar to the Rutgers game. Uh, now, Rutgers, I think, is a better team. I actually think Minnesota is comparably talented. I think Minnesota is talented. I just think, like, offensively, they're incredibly young, and they're missing their best player. Defensively, like, they got four, they do have a defensive line that can get after you. I want to say all of their starting defensive linemen have two and a half sacks or more. Um, I'm trying to remember the kid's name. I wrote it down. Oh, Danny Stigo. Yeah is yeah. a senior he's I think he's got six sacks so like like I don't know they have one JT two uh two but maybe they have a couple Tyleek Williams kind of like just really good football players but to me this comes you know this comes out as simple as this because they're such a ball control offense they can keep the score low and keep the game deceptively close or and but deceptively I mean it's really not that close but it looks closer than it really is because if if they lull you into bowl control and it's Travion Henderson versus Darius Taylor or Jordan Newbin or Zach Evans, you mentioned the Tyler kid. Like if 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 you can't get your offense firing early, it could be kind of a weirdly close game. Maybe because uh, here's the thing: Ohio State's twenty-seven and a half point favorites. They should dust these guys. Like, I think Minnesota is going to be good again. I mean, they're coming off two straight nine-win years. I think with Kaliak Manas and the young running backs, you should have a chance next year to be a much better team. That's just not who they are right now. But if all of a sudden Darius Taylor plays and all of a sudden McCord throws an early pick and, you know, they got uh, Jordan – I think it's Jordan Newbin's brother, Tyler, actually leads the team in PBUs and interceptions – that's the kind of moment where, again, I think Ohio State wins. I think they're going to win comfortably. But Minnesota can make this a quicker or closer than necessary game if you let them. And I think that's like, this is a step up from Michigan State. I actually, I like, I was, I was shocked. Uh, Pro Football Focus has this team ranked as the 41st best team in college football. And I was shocked at that. But like, you start to look at the strength of schedule. You start to look at some of the things that have happened. I think they're a good team. Like, let me put it this way. I don't think they're the sixth. Because I'm, I'm not trying to sell a fight, I promise. I don't think they're the sixth best team in the West. I think there are mm-hmm. other teams that just have better records or have had a better um, you know, twist of fate in front of them. 
this is one of those games where just don't sleep on them. And like, just don't, don't think, don't think they're five and five and that's who they really are. Like they've played bad football here recently as well. Without Darius Taylor, like their offense has really, really started to suffer. But I just, that kid, I got to tell you, man, I watched some Darius Taylor, um, just kind of watch what he did early in the season. That's the kind of guy that could swing this from a 40 point Ohio State win to maybe make yeah. a 26 point Ohio I, I, State I, win. Minnesota has always seemed to have, at least recently, you know, really good running backs. I remember uh, Muhammad Ibrahim was awesome. And oh, obviously, yeah. he went to the NFL this past year, and he probably would have been a higher pick two years ago. But he, in that, in that first match, that, that it was the, it was CJ Stroud's first start where he, tore his ACL and then his season obviously went downhill after that because he didn't play. And then he came back last year and he wasn't as good. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Taylor's of the same ilk, like really, really good player. If he plays, maybe that's the point here. Like if, if he plays, yeah, I'm a little bit more nervous about this one. And you probably feel like, okay, you can't take him lightly. You got to make sure you shut down that run game. But I think that your, your points on, on them being young and Cali uh, Agmanis is, is a young quarterback. I don't know if I'm like fearful of that offense. And because of that, I'm like, yeah, their defense can kind of get after the quarterback. They can do some things, but they're not very good at stopping the pass game. And I feel like Ohio state's going to have their way with them. Like they pretty much, I feel like need Taylor to even have a chance in this game, because I think Ohio state's going to be able to do a lot offensively with just the talent that they have. Um, And I think they're just a young team that's still kind of growing. So, and and that's okay. Like, like you said, I think they're coming up back-to-back nine win seasons. They'll get back to that, hopefully, as these guys get older. Um, but I just don't think that they're ready for this challenge quite yet, and that's obviously reflected in the spread. But I, I'm going into this kind of viewing it as, okay, Ohio State has a chance to build some more momentum off of the, the Michigan State game and now this one and get themselves really kind of buttoned up one last time before the big one on the 25th. Let me ask do you – is P.J. Fleck – showed up in Minnesota like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Mm-hmm. And I actually I actually generally liked PJ Fleck, but mm-hmm. I but I, I I feel like he kind of like people have wavered on their opinions of him. To me though, like I'm looking at PJ Fleck and saying, I think he's taken this team, not this year, but in previous years, like to what the ceiling basically is for a team like Minnesota. And I think that's pretty impressive. But I know some people aren't quite sold on him being this long-term answer. And or if he should get a higher higher level job beyond Minnesota. Yeah, I think um, I think if you if you haven't paid attention, which makes sense. Like if you haven't paid attention to Minnesota and what they've done, it makes sense because they're still Minnesota. Like they they have not risen to truly challenge Wisconsin, or they're yeah. not. You know, they're, like they they tend to be right around the second or third best team in the West, which basically means you're like the fifth best team in the East. But like, I actually think like it's, he's got 18 wins the two previous years, four years ago. Remember the only bad season he's had um, outside of maybe this one. And I think they're still going to be a bowl team. The only bad season they've had in the last four years was the COVID year where they went three and four. This is a team that won the, the big 10 West. And I think his third year, so in 20, was that, 2019? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think P.J. Fleck is an underrated coach. I don't necessarily like the guy. I think he's a bit of an eh, – I think he's a bit of a weirdo. Like, he's kind of like a Harbaugh. <laughs> I mean, every coach is a weirdo, but yeah. He's kind of like – you You accused Harbaugh early in the thing of being, like, the cultish atmosphere. I think that's the kind of guy that P.J. Fleck is. Like, I think that's the kind of atmosphere. And I think it's the only – 
Couch he's always talking he's... about row. He's always talking about rowing boats. And, and well, shit. and he's just well, not just <laughs> <laughs> leave the boats out of it. But I just think like I think he's a bit of a goober. But I think that brand works in college football. Now it should be noted that that brand isn't going to work everywhere. Like that yeah. kind of he's a little zany. He's a little weird. He's a little standoffish and defensive and oddly cultish. Like that doesn't work everywhere in college football. So I think whomever were to take him on should be really mindful of, of what you're doing and, and the kind of guy you're bringing in, but there's no reason. Like, I guess my thing is like, well, find do, me do the you better think, job. Like, yeah, is it, well, I think Penn state would be really interesting for PJ. Do you think he's earned that next level job though? Or do you think like Minnesota is like a good spot for him and they should probably like, like, I don't know that he's getting fired this year. Probably not. Um, but it just seems like people have kind of – the reason I say that is because, like I said, I, I think the, the the tide has kind of turned on him. When he first got there, it was like, oh, PJ, he's the the hot new Mac coach who brought a, a Mac program onto the map and made them good. And that's kind of how you how life goes in the Mac. Like if you make it, you try to find that next level up job. And he obviously found that in Minnesota. But I don't know that people think he's necessarily ready for that next leap. I, I could see him taking that next leap, but um, I think you're right. Like where where's the next fit for him? Like it's definitely not Texas A and M. I don't think he's ready for that. But maybe Penn, maybe Penn State would that would that work at Penn State? They're they're very cultish. Yeah, I, I think that's the kind of school. So he was coming into this year. He was thirty two and fourteen in his last four years, and that included yeah, COVID, which was three and four. It's good. So thirty two and fourteen with a first place finish and two second place finish at Minnesota. Like you got to keep the Minnesota what the program it is. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I think he is a good coach, and I think like, and this is one of those games where because it's like with uh, Rutgers and Shiano, like Rutgers had one card to really play which was uh, their running back. Here, you know, you've got really one card to play, which is probably Darius Taylor. Now, that that Rutgers defense, I think, is better than, than this Minnesota defense. But, like, you just – when a good coach is involved, and I do think P.J.'s a good coach. I don't know if he's a great coach. When a good coach is involved, you just can't throw out the idea that, well, they're just not a very good team. Yeah, you're probably right. But man, PJ Flex a decent coach, and this is just kind of one of those games where it's to me. It's let me let me just put a bow on the whole thing. To me, it's on Ohio State to respect their opponent and execute them thusly. Yeah, go out Which, there, score points early, put it put pressure on them to throw the ball because Kalik Manis is probably going to be a nice Big Ten quarterback going forward. He's not ready for this. Assignment. No, 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 no. He's a low and, completion and, percentage guy. Um, he hasn't really had to throw a lot. And so, you know, I think it's like 13 to 7 TD to INT ratio. So, like, he's not a guy who's throwing the ball a lot, has not turned the ball over a lot through the air, but still put him in that position to try and test him. And I do think you bring up not taking your opponent lightly. In previous years, especially when Urban was here, because he was always good for that one slip-up at Purdue or Michigan State or whatever – I'm not as worried about that with this team than I have been in, with previous teams. And I think that's just a product of how they've won game this, games this year. They know they're not necessarily blowing teams out every single week unless it's Michigan State. Um, so I think they go into every game kind of knowing like, hey, we're we're not the running gun, light it up, right, lighting up the scoreboard team that we, we've been in the past. So we know we're going to win games ugly. We can't take any of these teams lightly, even with Michigan looming on the other side. So I don't, I don't think that'll be an issue, but yeah. I would say something like 48-13. 
I think that's what this score is going to be. I don't know. Does that covering? I think that's covering. That's somewhere around covering. That That's how I see this game going. Unless they get to score early and, and Kyle McCord makes an early mistake. I, I think that's how all of a sudden maybe it becomes like a 38-20 win, which is just you need another commanding win. From the playoff side of things, you need another commanding win. All right, guys. We got one more segment to come. We got the Michigan panic meter. We'll see if it's changed in the last couple of days. We also have fourth and short. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, as we traditionally lead off the third segment on our midweek show, it's time for the Michigan Panic Meter. And I will say, as you guys know, we go from uh, gray, which is the uh, the least panic, to light gray, to white, which is neutral, to light scarlet, all the way over to scarlet if you're really panicked about the Michigan game. And I moved it to neutral after Sharon Morse crying this weekend. I will keep it at neutral. I that Nothing has changed in my feelings on this game yet, Spencer. Yeah, I think that's fair to to kind of keep it where it's at. Um, I'm I'm not to not to make for a boring segment here, but I'm I'm keeping mine in the same spot, which mine was just barely in the in the in the in the light gray. It was the first time either of us have touched the light gray this year. But um, just with how Ohio State won the other night, they took care of business. Offense looked good. I get it was Michigan State. There's context there. Um, we'll see how they look against Minnesota. I guess the only thing that's in the back of my mind kind of worrying me is this, I guess, crusade that Michigan's on to just get everybody back because they feel like they're being slighted. But I can't worry about that right now. I think I'm, I'm more concerned with what Ohio State's doing. And right now, they have me believing and how the Penn State-Michigan game went. I think that they can at least keep that game close. And if you keep the game close, as we know, anything can happen. So I'll stay in the light gray for now. All right, now we move to fourth and short on first down, two weeks out. Who has more momentum, Ohio State or Michigan? It's a good question. Well, it's it's, it's interesting because question, it's, right? I, I I think they both have different types of momentum. Like I think Ohio State is building moment, mo- momentum on the field. Like they sluggish start to the season. We didn't really know what they were going to be. Almost lose to Notre Dame, and they've gotten just kind of great. You talk about teams getting better as the season goes on. I think we have undoubtedly seen that from Ohio state this year versus Michigan. I think we're still kind of like, yeah, they're blowing out. They've kind of just stayed the same and we, we haven't seen them tested too much yet to know. So I think from like an on the field standpoint, like I, I think what Ohio state's doing is building momentum, but I think the momentum of this, this sign stealing scandal is something that obviously is, is a factor for Michigan. And I think that's sort of uh, something that's, that's allowing them to build momentum from a, you know, we just want to dominate everybody's standpoint and motivation standpoint. So I guess I'll I'll, I'll split it up that way where I think uh, on the field it's Ohio State, but off the field I think it's Michigan. I think oddly Ohio State and Michigan have switched places last week because now it was Ohio State blowing out an inferior opponent and it was Michigan um, pulling away late from, uh, you know, a quality opponent in Penn State. So I'll say this. I think Michigan has – I think Michigan's win against Penn State is a better win because you were on the road. I also think I think I think this off the field stuff is giving them real momentum. I th- I think it's just I think they're just going to continue to 
to rabble each other up and get each other pissed off. And I think the players are into Pride. it. And yeah. And so like, I, I think the idea, like, listen, I think it's really, really, I think you're getting these two teams as good as you could get. I would give Michigan the nose in the momentum side of things. But like, honestly, as you were talking, you were starting to sway me as well. So I, I, I all of this is to say in the end, I think it's so close. It doesn't matter. I think we are really, I'm, I'm going to continue to sell this fight. I think we're gearing up to one of the best Michigan Ohio state games ever. As long as, as long as what we've seen of Ohio state is, is a true represent representation of who they are. We moved to second down here. Uh, Marvin Harrison jr's Heisman hopes, man, I got to tell you bleep Bo Nix. Uh, this dude went from, I think <laughs> that is a third best odds to now he's the favorite at minus minus one ten. Big Penix Energy plus 370, Michael Penix Jr. Then Jaden Daniels, who's also leapfrogged Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus uh, 370. Then Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus 600. Carson Beck, a distant plus 3,500. Jalen Milrow of Alabama plus 5,000. I, th I think I think we've got one. I don't count out Milrow because the opportunities there to, to make up a lot of this ground. I think Marvin's as close as you can do to guaranteeing himself a top three spot. But I'll just ask you, are you more or less confident he'll make a serious run at the Heisman than you were a week or two ago? Um, I'm more confident for sure. Um, I think it, this next game, we said it, we said it a couple weeks ago. These, this stretch of games between Wisconsin and Michigan was going to be about him basically padding his stats. He needed to get his numbers up sort of on par with what Devonta Smith had a couple a couple of years ago when he won the Heisman. And I think we saw that with the two touchdowns he had against Rutgers, even though he didn't have a lot of yards that game, that helped. And then this past weekend, he just lit up Michigan State. So he's got to have a similar performance, I think, this weekend. And if he does that, then I think that does set the stage for his, his Heisman hopes basically come down to, as we've said, beating Michigan. If they beat Michigan, he has a touchdown. He puts up some good numbers. I think it, it it could be his award. If they lose that game, I think he could still be a finalist if his numbers are still in the right place. But yeah, how big? How much do you think it matters that the Heisman winner has to be part of a team that like wins their conference or something? Um, I think it's significant. I yeah, I do. I agree. I, I think so. That means I, one I, of Bo Nix or Michael Penix is probably they, they might still be a finalist, but for them to like win it, I think the person who wins the conference probably has a, a leg up than the, over the other. Yeah, so I would, I would imagine I, I would imagine that that is a feather in the cap there. So, yeah. All right, now we go to third down. Will Jim Harbaugh, this prediction time, will Jim Harbaugh be on the sidelines for Ohio State-Michigan? I'm going to say yes. Um, I think what happens on Friday probably is that they say, I, I don't know how it's all going to play out or what the, the process is. I know it's like he's, he asked for a restraining order or whatever it is, and that'll <laughs> grant him time to, you know, it's, it's like when you appeal something in sports, like a suspension, you can still play until the appeals heard. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that they'll just kind of say like, all right, we're lowering it to two games or something like that. And he'll just miss this week. And then we'll be back out there for Ohio state, Michigan, because it, it, listen, the big 10 to this point has basically listened to what their band of coaches have said and what the, what the people want, like the public was demanding for Michigan to be punished. So they listen to they, they they crowdsourced essentially, and I can tell you right now I think the the reading of the tea leaves tells me that the the audience, your fans, your constituents 
they want Jim Harbaugh on the sideline for that game. So I'm going to go ahead and say that they'll let it happen and he'll be out there because I, like I said earlier in the show, I don't think it benefits anybody if he's not out there for that game. Um, I, I lean towards yes. Um, I wonder if this Friday is going to be the end all be all for the rest of the regular season. I just would be surprised. I mean, I would be surprised if the big 10 truly let this happen. I'd be surprised if, uh, I don't know. I, I, and maybe part of this is I just want him on the sidelines, right? If Sharon, if you beat Sharon Moore, it's not the same thing as if you beat Jim Harbaugh. Well, and I, I think I lose to Sharon Moore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, believe me. That'll be a conversation for this this same Tuesday show next week. I think. What if they? Yeah. If once we know the answer, what if Ryan Day loses to a non-Jim Harbaugh head coach team? Yikes! All right. Now we go to fourth down, fourth and short here. We, uh, the, we got the selection uh, committee tonight. We will do, we will be doing the live on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel. Will Ohio State stay number one? I'm going to say they're going to be two. I think Georgia cemented themselves as number one, blowing out a top 10 team. Um, it's kind of been a slow build for them. You're waiting for them to play some of these ranked opponents and, and get more of a test on what they'd seen to this point. I think they got that the last two games. One of them was a little closer. They pulled away in this one. And I think the the story on them is, well, actually last week, I think it was close for a little while. Then they pulled away from Missouri as well. But then this week, obviously top 10 team in, in Ole Miss. Yeah. I, I think this is what cements them as one and Ohio state will go to two and it'll set the stage for potentially Michigan and Ohio state to play in two weeks as the, the second and third ranked teams. I'm 50, 50. I, I think there's, I think there's still a significant chance that Ohio state stays one, but I think it's a toss up. Mm. And it'll be interesting because, you know, you almost ask yourself, all right, if the Georgia win over um, Ole Miss is enough to kick Ohio State out of the one spot, is the Penn State win for Michigan, which was on the road and by one point more than what Ohio State did over Penn State in Columbus, is it enough to move Ohio Ohio State two spots? I don't know. I don't. I don't know, think but so. I, I think I, because that game was as close as Ohio State's was, I think it keeps them ahead of them. But but I think I think this is finally where we find out how real the conference or the 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 selection committee thinks Ohio State is. Because if they're number one here, that's that's a pretty strong endorsement. Because they they could have chosen to uh, blow out Michigan State and run the score up more. They didn't. Um, and again, the downside of that is maybe they just look at the thirty-eight to whatever. Uh, score and say, well, that's not enough. You know what I mean? But like, I'm 50 50. I, I think there's, I think there's as likely of a chance that Ohio State's number one as there is Georgia. And I did, and I've not said that. I have been resolute the first two weeks. They're number one. They should be number one. Now I think it's a real conversation. So what, it, what that is to say is you should definitely be listening to the live stream of the, uh, selection committee results tonight as we kind of react to that. Of course, it's a later one tonight. It's nine, be the nine, nine o'clock hour. Yeah. So we got that going, guys. Uh, that is it for us. Again, please rate, follow, subscribe, all those things to the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the 92 Through the Fan YouTube channel as well as you guys continue to support us. We appreciate you. Follow us at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. Until we meet again, go Bucks.